0: Hi, Malika Bilal here, and I've got some news. The take is going daily on Monday, May 1st. Every day, Monday to Friday, you'll get the latest from our show, the stories behind the headlines, and the news you didn't know you were missing. Subscribe wherever you get your podcasts. I'll see you on Monday. Until then, here's Kevin Hurden.
1: It's Wednesday, September second, 2020, in the East China Sea, and the China-bound cargo ship Gulf Livestock One is in trouble. Another powerful typhoon is making its way towards the Korean Peninsula. The ship is stalled, and heavy waves from typhoon Masak are pounding away at the hull. The ship lost an engine before it was hit by a strong wave and capsized. The captain sends out an emergency distress call but it's too late. Japan's Coast Guard said it had rescued 45-year-old Sereno Edvarodo, who was a chief officer from the Philippines. Edvarodo told the Coast Guard he jumped into the water from the boat as it capsized and did not see any other crew members before he was rescued. But it's not just the loss of the crew that makes this tragedy so memorable. It's also the cargo. Carrying nearly 6,000 cows, it had left New Zealand weeks ago and was bound for China. All 6,000 cows on board the ship drowned, and that kicked off a storm of controversy. Now, almost three years later, the government has taken the drastic step of banning all live cattle exports starting April 30th this year, a decision that seems to have split the island nation. With elections coming up this year, how will New Zealand bridge that divide? I'm Kevin Hurton, in from Alika Bilal, and this is the take Adrian Brown has been covering this for Al Jazeera. He's in New Zealand in a little town called Greytown.
0: It's about an hour's drive north of Wellington. And It's on a plain that's fringed by mountains on one side and hills on the other. And five minutes walk from my home, you have fields where there are cows and sheep grazing. Sometimes you see lambs and calves, very much the sort of picture postcard New Zealand.
1: Wow. So that's a place that appreciates livestock.
0: Absolutely. I mean, this is an area that relies completely on farming, which, of course, is very much the backbone of New Zealand's economy.
1: So, Adrian, let's talk about this shipwreck because that's at the heart of this story. Why do you think this shipwreck struck such a nerve in New Zealand?
0: Because it followed another sinking of a ship carrying live cattle. This was a vessel that sank in the Black Sea. It was going from Romania to Saudi Arabia and had 14,000 sheep on board. Most of those sheep perished in the sinking. Now, this vessel, the uh, Gulf Livestock One had uh, six thousand cattle on board and around forty crew members, and two of the crew members were from New Zealand. So it became very big news here, and that I think became the catalyst for what was already an ongoing campaign by animal rights activists to end this trade. With both of these
1: wrecks, it was the deaths of these animals that seems to have been the tipping point, but. Animal rights people say it's really the way these animals are forced to live on these ships that's made it so controversial. I don't know if you saw, but 60 Minutes Australia did an expose a few years ago, and the video was horrific. There were problems with ventilation, feed, and water supply. The cattle had to stand for a prolonged period, up to 14 days. There were broken legs, infections, significant numbers of lame cattle on an overstocked boat on rough seas. Many people looked at that video and said, "This is animal cruelty." I mean, does the other side even engage on the merits of the cruelty or is it strictly an economic argument?
0: Well, what the exporters here in New Zealand say is this. They say, "Don't conflate the way we export animals with the way they do it from Australia or other parts of the world. You know, we have much higher animal welfare standards than than many other countries." we have vets on board. Yes, animals do die. I think it was 64 last year out of a total of around 135,000 livestock that were sent to China. So yes, there's no doubt animals do die. But they argue that overall they are treated well on board, there's air conditioning, they are fed. But yes, At the end of the day, (laughs) these are animals who up until that moment of getting on a boat have been, you know, grazing in the fields. They're not used to going on boats for, for 21 days. And the problem is sometimes a storm can delay the journey by three to four to five days. And also remember that when you're going from New Zealand or Australia, you're passing over the equator, which gets back to the point that you made. It gets very hot in the holds of these boats these vessels were not designed to carry livestock.
1: Okay, so you get these two wrecks. There's this initial reaction. There's this initial horror. What does the government decide to do officially?
0: The New Zealand government has been in the control of the Labour Party, and the Labour Party has never been really keen on the idea of live animal exports. It feels it's very bad for New Zealand's image, not good for its reputation. And it decided that, yep, it's time to actually end this trade. There was a certain amount of traction in the campaign. It was getting support among, you know, ordinary New Zealanders. And there was a concern that, you know, this was starting to influence perhaps consumers, not just in China, but particularly in the United States, more sophisticated markets where there is concern about animal welfare. And as we know, shareholders have a much louder voice these days uh, supermarkets do as well and I think New Zealand wanted to be seen to be taking the lead so it went ahead with this ban which now comes into effect at the end uh, of April and New Zealand will become just about, I think, the first major industrialized country to ban the live export of, of animals
1: Now that the ban is here the political consequences are starting to come into focus Right?
0: Yeah, this is an election year in New Zealand, and the farming lobby is a very powerful lobby. Now, the National Party is seen as the party that's most closely aligned with the farming lobby, and they have said that if they win the parliamentary elections uh, in October, they will roll back this ban, they will repeal it. Not only that, but 18 other uh, farming rules and regulations that they say have tied up New Zealand farming in red tape.
1: Okay, just for listeners around the world who aren't as well-versed in New Zealand politics as you are, can you just give us a basic breakdown of the political environment and maybe who makes up those constituencies?
0: Okay, well, the National Party would be, I guess, like the Republican Party in the United States. It's it's all for uh, deregulation. It's uh, It believes in having an economy that is very export-led. It believes in doing away with... What it sees as the red tape that has tied up so much of New Zealand uh, in that kind of bureaucracy, the Labour Party, by its very name, is is very different. That believes very much in pushing policies that make New Zealand seem a bit more progressive. And this is a country, after all, that has had a female prime minister up until a few months ago, Jacinda Ardern. It it is seen as being a much more with it. Uh, progressive party than the National Party. It's very popular in city areas, not so popular in country areas because of where it stands on farming issues. The National Party is seen as being much more consistent when it comes to helping the farming lobby in New Zealand. National has made its play for the rural vote with a 19-point plan called Getting Back to Farming. For every new regulation local and central government want to bring in, they have to scrap two existing regulations. And controversially, it would bring back live animal exports. Now, if that happens, and nationalists said they will do it, and they're only one point behind in the opinion polls, then this whole debate could flare up again in New Zealand.
1: Yeah, I I would imagine it's pretty difficult to be a governing party without being friendly to farmers, because it's such an important part of New Zealand's economy. So how important is the livestock trade that we're talking about here?
0: Oh, Kevin, it's terribly important. New Zealand has what it calls three primary industries, and those industries are dairy, meat, beef, and also lamb, and wood, timber. Now, the biggest market of all is China, so China is an incredibly important market the export rose more than 20% last year and the reason for that is that China has a growing middle class and they want more meat. They want protein, they want milk products, they want milk powder and New Zealand is a big provider of all of that. So New Zealand in a sense is a little bit vulnerable because you know it's it's kind of put all eggs, eggs very much into the China basket which is good relations between the two countries uh, are, are on the sort of level they are at the moment. But, you know, with war threatened over Taiwan, with, you know, Washington saying basically it's not a question of if there is war in Taiwan, but when, New Zealand's economy would find itself in a very difficult position if those trade routes from New Zealand up to North Asia were disrupted. So there's a feeling that perhaps New Zealand needs to diversify a bit rather than, you know, relying solely on this one customer.
1: So that's the geopolitical beef. But where does this leave New Zealand's farmers? That's after the break. The Inside Story podcast dissects, analyzes, and helps define major global stories. We get into the details with experts who explain how policies— affect people. The Inside Story podcast by Al Jazeera. Find us wherever you listen to podcasts. We've been talking about a live cattle export ban, but that's not the only policy that's got New Zealand's farmers riled up. There's also a plan to reduce agricultural emissions of methane. Across the country, farmers took the
0: tractors to town today, protesting the government's plan to reduce agricultural emissions. The government announced the worst assault on New Zealand farmers and rural communities in a generation.
1: And that's playing into what's increasingly looking like a culture war. So there's an election coming up in October. Are both sides going to engage on the merits here, or is it going to fall into more cultural signifiers? You're either with the farmers or you're against the farmers.
0: Well, yeah, I think you have a point there because the the National Party has said that the Labour Party has declared war on farmers. They say that the Labour Party has been motivated into this ban and its general farming policies by what it says a fashionable left-wing policies at at the cost of jobs. Now, of course, the, the Labour Party would completely refute all of that, but it is certainly becoming a fault line in the election. Not the fault line, I think that's still the cost of living crisis that is affecting not just New Zealand, but so many other countries.
1: It sounds like New Zealand, like a lot of places, is dividing itself up in a very predictable way. It's sort of big cities, cosmopolitan people, maybe on the left side of the spectrum versus rural areas, maybe leaning a little farther to the right. The economic argument against the ban is that this would be harmful to the economy. What exactly are they saying will be the effects economically?
0: This trade in animals, the live shipment of animals, earns New Zealand about 300 uh, million US dollars a year and that trade is going one way to to China. Now that represents about 0.6% of New Zealand's overall exports so it's a tiny tiny fraction of what of what the country sends overseas but it is still a 300 million dollar trade say the farmers and you know What's going to fill that gap now that the ban has come into force? Now, they, they make all sorts of arguments about the jobs that are going to be lost in farming communities. And, you know, they point out, for instance, that a, a cow in New Zealand, let's say, would sell for about, is worth about $100. But if they sell that cow overseas, its value doubles, So that's why the market is so important to a certain segment of New Zealand farmers because their livelihoods depend on it. But as I say, it is just a tiny fraction of New Zealand's overall exports. And and the people who speak out in favour of animal welfare say, "Why, why damage New Zealand's reputation just for the sake of that small segment of trade?
1: So I imagine Labour is aware of this. Are they making any plans or provisions to support the affected stakeholders of the ban?
0: They haven't said that yet. Uh, They have said that they remain supportive of the farming community, as they always have been. But they haven't explained, if you like, how they're going to fill that gap.
1: What the Labour side has been focusing on is what's at stake internationally, the influence that live exports have had over New Zealand's reputation as well as the local influence of those exporters' biggest buyer, China.
0: There's a lot of Chinese investment in the meat industry here in New Zealand. I went to uh, a place called Beef Gen the other day, which was an enormous, you know, meat company up in the central part of the North Island. And that has a Chinese partner. And they had lobbied very hard for the government not to go ahead with this ban, saying that it would affect potentially relations you know that 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 hasn't happened there's been no sign yet of, of China uh, lessening its imports of frozen meat from New Zealand or fresh meat from New Zealand, that is continuing because, as I say, it's been driven by this growing middle-class demand in China. You know, and I've seen, I, I was based in China for five years and did several stories on the beef industry there, and they will buy meat from wherever they can get it, but they just happen to prefer the quality of the meat from places like the United States, Canada, New Zealand, and Australia, and they can't get enough of it.
1: And that's why, for farmers, this is an issue that goes straight to their livelihood. This is Brian Pearson, a New Zealand livestock exporter. This, on a personal level, will be 100% of my income gone. You know, I have a wife and a family support, so that's mortgage payments and everything. So for me to carry on, if I want to carry on in this industry, I have to go to Australia. I have to leave. I guess just to sort of wrap up, uh, no one wants to see someone's livelihood destroyed. But I think if you look back at history, it's littered with formerly lucrative jobs that society at some point just realized were too cruel to justify. Buffalo hunters in the American West or whalers or circus elephant trainers. And I'm sure that list will grow and grow in the future as we understand animal intelligence and emotional intelligence. But the political and societal question for New Zealand at this moment is, Does this fit that bill, or is this overreach by a government that's out of step with the will of the people?
0: I was listening to uh, Radio New Zealand the other day, which is the national broadcaster, and they were discussing this ban, and they said the calls, messages, emails they were getting from viewers were overwhelmingly in favor of the ban. Now that's just one sort of small straw poll. I think it depends in what part of the country you are, where I am at the moment, because we're quite close to the capital, Wellington, I think you'd probably find, you know, be 50-50. But if I go deeper into the countryside, further down the road, I think you'll find 76%, you know, against this ban. I mean, anything that threatens, you know, farming livelihoods is a big issue in New Zealand, particularly at election time.
1: And that's The Take. This episode was produced by Khalid Sultan, with Miranda Lynn, Chloe K. Lee, Nagin Oliyei, Sonia Bagat, Ashish Malhotra, Amy Walters, and me, Kevin Hurton, standing in for Malika Bilal. Our sound designer is Alex Roldan. Our engagement producers are Adam Abuged and Munira Aldissari. Alexandra Locke is our executive producer, and Nay Alvarez is Al Jazeera's head of audio.
0: We'll be back.